You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right. Well, we are going to be back in Colossians tonight. If you have your Bibles, please turn there to Colossians chapter number 2. The thought that's on my heart tonight is uh, the Lord our architect. Um, we'll see more about that in just a moment, but that's the, the uh, illustration that God uses a number of times. Paul uses it again here in Colossians. So we're going to kind of spend a little bit of time on that and see if we can maybe wrap up a couple of these and uh, keep making some progress through here through the book of Colossians. But the, the biggest progress we want to make is not just, you know, marking off that we've uh, covered ground. We want to make sure that we're covering ground in our spiritual lives. And that's the main thing, that we're drawing closer to Christ, uh, that we're having a better impact for Christ and a bigger impact for Christ. And so we'll read our text verses once again in Colossians 2, verses 4 through 7. The Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And uh, in those verses we see our, the first two illustrations that Paul was using about abiding and abounding. He, there, in verse number, there in verse number 5, he says... Uh, Beholding your order and your steadfastness. So that's a reference to the church, to Christians being as, as an army. And then he goes into verse number 6. So walk ye in him, emphasizes the fact that we're pilgrims and strangers. Verse 7, rooted, is where we spent our time last week, looking at that illustration of a tree. And then today we're going to be looking at built up. Built up. But the key two words there are next, that once again you find over and over again, in him built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therewith with thanksgiving so again the colossians here he's encouraging them and, and he's thankful quite frankly for the progress that they're making spiritually and that ought to be our goal tonight is to continue to grow in christ one way that we can continue to grow in Christ is we don't compare ourselves to other people. I'll say that right off the bat. It's easy to do, compare yourself to someone else. But the Bible says you compare yourselves among yourselves, and that's not wise. Uh, so just because you're doing better than the next guy doesn't necessarily mean you're doing great because the, the goal is Jesus Christ, amen? And so with Him working in us, we can continue to abide in Him, and then we can abound in Him. And that's kind of the emphasis that this uh, is uh, dealing with abiding and abounding. So, tonight we're going to look at the illustration of the building. He says, built up in him. The, a, a sister verse to this, if you want to call it that, Colossians and Ephesians are very similar. If you read these two, you'll find out that they're very similar, verse, uh, sim similar uh, books. They have a different emphasis, but uh, they share a lot of the same verses, just maybe from a different perspective. But a verse that goes along with this that Paul wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 3.17 is, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. And then it goes on from there. But what did he say? That, thou may, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, we've covered that before, but does anybody remember what it means to dwell? 
There's the, there's the obvious one, which is if you're dwelling someplace, you're usually living someplace. Uh, so praise God, if you're saved by God's grace, you know, the moment you get saved, Christ takes up residence in you. Isn't that wonderful? Uh, you're saved by God's grace, Christ in you, the Bible says. Uh, and that's how we can live this life. We're in Christ, Christ is in us. Isn't that wonderful? Just like we're in the air, the air is in us. Amen. We, we need Him. We're, we're in Him, He's in us. Uh, but it, it, it goes even a little bit further than just living with us or living in us in this particular uh, deal, dwelling with us, dw Christ dwelling in us. Uh, anybody? No, I saw you moving back here, Trey. Uh, continuing, well, that's, that's a close one because that goes with the abiding thing. But it's really to, to, to feel at home, to feel at home. You know, the Bible says to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, have you ever been someplace where you haven't been welcome? Uh, and by, by God's grace, uh, I'm glad that I don't believe anybody could ever say they've come to this church and not felt welcome. Uh, I, I really believe that's something. And I think that's a wonderful thing that, that we sure do want to continue around here. But I've been some places where I didn't feel particularly welcome. Well, I sure do want Christ to feel welcome in my life. Amen? Uh, I want Him to dwell. But there again, He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted, there again, the reference that we have in the same exact verse in Colossians, rooted and grounded, whereat in love. And I'm telling you there again, we have that emphasis of love. And I don't know if you want to turn over there because I really feel like we need to read the rest of that, that chapter in Ephesians because it goes to, the, it goes to abiding, to, from, from abiding to abounding. Because it talks about Christ dwelling in us, that abiding, Colossi or Ephesians 3.17 is what we read. But let's read it in the context of Ephesians 3. By the way, this is a prayer. The Apostle Paul was praying this for the Ephesians, and I believe, that's an I believe that shows us that that's God's prayer for each, this is God's prayer for each one of us. There again, 317, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I love those verses, man. I love that prayer. It reminds me of the book of Romans, chapter number 8, when you get down toward the end of that chapter, how it just, man, it just fires you up if you read it and get what it's saying. But that's the idea. We abide in Him, then we can abound in Him. That's the picture there. So, the building, built up as an architectural. Last week we looked at, we looked at an uh, agricultural term. This week we're looking at an architectural term, being built up. Uh, and it literally means uh, being built up. It comes from the, the idea of being edified, as we'll see in just a moment. When we trust the Lord Jesus Christ to be our Savior, we are put on the foundation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So I'm glad that the moment... Man, aren't you glad that... I'm, I, just, I'm, I rejoice repeatedly over the fact that we're not just a bunch of religious people that are trying to follow the Baptist way or something, right? I'm so glad that what we preach, 
What we try to encourage people on is knowing Jesus Christ, accepting Him as, as their Savior. You can know Him. You can have a relationship with your Creator. And, and so when you do that, when you accept Christ, you're not built on the foundation of some religion. Man, you're built on Jesus Christ Himself. He is the foundation now of your life. And that's a wonderful thing because, uh, man, I tell you, we, are, we do need to build our lives for Him. We need to allow Him to build us. But man, I'm, one thing I'm glad about is that no matter what happens, if you're saved by God's grace, you are on the rock. You're on the rock. And, uh, and that's a great thing because I feel like there's been a few times I've hit rock bottom, but guess what? I'm still on the rock. Amen. And so that's a good place to be. Uh, so we, we're built on Jesus Christ. We're put on Jesus Christ as our foundation. From then on, we grow in grace. Uh, the word is, that's used that we're going to see right here, another architectural term in the Bible, is the word edify, which means to build up. To build up. So to make spiritual progress means to keep adding to our lives for the glory of God, to continue to build, to continue to expand. God wants us to continue to go. Now, consider some of the world's most magnificent structures. Uh, Eye-catching, jaw-dropping marvels of engineering. Does anybody have uh, a favorite building? Is that a lame question to ask? But I don't think it is if you think about it. I mean, if I gave you time to really, if I in advance said, can you think of what your favorite building is, you may come up with, uh, you know, uh, maybe it's, you know, the, 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 uh, the cathedral in, uh, in, in Notre Dame or Notre Dame, or maybe I think about, you know, as far as like modern buildings go, uh, the Kingdom Tower in Saudi Arabia is just amazing. I and mean, it's just a beautiful building. And forgive me as I stay in the Middle East, but the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, uh, an amazing feat of engineering. Taj Mahal. Uh, and you say, man, you're not very American. You're not going with any of the American buildings. But I'm just trying to think of a couple of these amazing structures. Um, now, when we think about the reason that these places were built, uh, they, they, were, they, they stand out and they serve a purpose. Um, they, they draw you to them. Man, if you see a beautiful building, you're just kind of drawn to it. You want to get a closer look. But every one of them have a purpose, a useful purpose. They're all a little different. Uh, but these buildings uh, are built, and before, the, before a building is ever built, especially one of the magnitude that we're talking about, they normally consult an architect. They normally consult an architect. Now, we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we've been studying uh, that off and on and in and out in Sunday school here lately. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, the Bible says in verse number 9 of 1 Corinthians 3, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, which there again he goes uh, agricultural, but then he says ye are God's building, and he goes architectural again. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another man buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. So if you question where I'm going tonight, you could see the picture that, God, that God's given here. He's given the picture of an architect and a builder. Now we know that God is a builder, and we know that God's an architect. The 1 Corinthians 9, I believe, is presenting God in, in picture and in type as an architect and us as the builders. 
We need to follow God's master plan. If there's an architect puts together a master plan, this is the plan to follow. Now, God says, you need to build your life. You need to be built up on your most holy faith, the Bible says. So, how are we going to do that? We have a plan that we need to follow. God's the architect. We are the builders. Now, you don't just go and start building a building uh, without any plans whatsoever. Just, and you don't just hire a bunch of different uh, contractors to come in and start working in a couple of weeks or whenever they decide to get there uh, and hope that uh, you know, something comes together. You usually go to an architect first, depending on the building you're building. Uh, now, if you ever ask an architect, if you just go up to an architect and you say, hey, I want you to design me a building. What's the first question the architect's probably going to uh, ask you if you ask them that question? What's its purpose? What's it for? Because they want to build it. They want to design it according to that purpose. And most architects, especially the famous architects, uh, they're famous because they want to be famous. Uh, and, you know, they, they want to be known. And they, they want their, their, you know, it's almost like, it's basically kind of an art that to stand out. You know, Frank Lloyd Wright, of course, was uh, one of the more famous or infamous, whichever uh, way you want to look at it. But, 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 th- but they want to know what's it for. They try to design it around that idea. And so we've got to ask that question. God's trying to, God wants us to build a building, but we, all, we ask this question all the time. But what's it for? What's the purpose of your life? Why has God placed you on the planet? Well, we know that God's got a master plan, and we know as we look in the Word of God, there's some things that apply to all of us. But we need to understand that God has a master plan for every one of our lives. He's got a design for every one of our lives. So as we build our lives day by day, as we invest in whatever it is that we're investing in, you know, on a daily basis, what are we, how are we building our lives? What are we doing? And how's that, you know, how's that building going to turn out? Well, we've got plans. We've got the Word of God that, to help guide us through that. We know what His plan is, especially in a general sense. Uh, so uh, what's the design? What's the purpose of it? Now, I think about this. The way God wants us to stand as a building, God wants us to be built to stand the test of trials and to stand the test of time. All right? Uh, Matthew chapter number 7. I mean, it's, it's amazing when you start looking at these in particular things, how much, once you start looking for building in the Bible, you see it all over the place. And I, I wouldn't be able to share them all with you tonight. But think about what Jesus said at the close of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. We see that repeated, don't we? It was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. You know what I believe I'm looking at tonight on a Wednesday night in May? I believe I'm looking at some people who have weathered some storms. 
I believe I'm looking at some people whose lives have been built on the rock and you've gone through some difficult times, but look at you still standing. Amen? By the grace of Almighty God. I think that's awesome because we are built. If your life is built on Jesus Christ, listen, both houses, the one on the sand and the one on the rock, they both got terrible storms and they both got floods. But there was one that stood. And I'm glad that by the grace of God, that no matter what God allows to come our way, we are built to stand the test of time. We may get bruised, we may get battered, but again, as I said earlier, we are always on the rock. All right, so an architect. As we think about God being like an architect, I just, I looked this uh, up today. An architect is a person who plans, designs, and oversees the construction of buildings. To practice architecture means to provide services in connection with the design of the buildings and the space within the site surrounding the buildings uh, that have human occupancy or use as their principal purpose. So I, I like that fact that an architect is a person who plans, designs, oversees. I'm telling you, that's what God does, amen? He plans, He provides, He oversees our lives. But one thing about our God is God will not force you to build a certain way. God's not a taskmaster. He's not. He gives us the instructions, uh, and then He... Uh, and, and by the way, He doesn't just give us instructions and set us on our way again. A lot of these illustrations break down after a while, but I want you to be thinking, and I know some of you already are, I want you to be thinking about this, uh, this idea of an architect. I want you to think about the building part, maybe it's the engineering side, whatever, to where maybe you can help add some things in just a moment as we think about this. But God has a plan for you. Isn't it awesome that when you were in your mother's womb, see, now, people talk about there being, you know, there's unplanned pregnancies, but there's never an unplanned baby. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, so there may, be, there may be a baby that's conceived and it wasn't planned by the parents. But I'm telling you, God has a plan. Amen? And, 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 with, and that, that child, you in your mother's womb, Psalm 139, think about that, in your mama's belly, God formed you. God has His hand upon you in your mother's womb. We know that, 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 that so many of the traits and everything that were uh, decided, I mean, the moment that you were conceived, but I want to tell you, the moment you were conceived and really far beyond that, there was a purpose for your life. There's a purpose for your life. He, so God is one who plans. He's an architect who plans. He's an architect that designs us. He's the architect that oversees. Um, I just, I just looked up a random deal about the, the, the relationship between an architect and builders, all right? So remember, God's the one that's got this plan, you, and, and, and He's given the plan to us, and He's given the Holy Spirit on the inside of us to help us carry out this plan, uh, and, but it's up to us to build their own, according to 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, all right? So I just looked up a relationship between a builder and architect, and here's what an architect said. He said, if you don't have a good relationship... He said, poor quality of life is going to be uh, set aside, a set aside, or be a side effect. I'm sorry. If you don't have a good relationship, poor quality of life is going to be a side effect. That's interesting. Uh, he says, I want to enjoy what I do. I want to uh, constantly, I don't want to constantly fight with people I'm relying on to bring my project into a reality. 
A good relationship with the builder comes back to you. Uh, you get what you designed built the way you want it, and issues that do come up get resolved more peacefully. It's not about pointing fingers, it's about creating solutions. But I just, I think that's such, I just think that's so appropriate. I mean, think about that. If you don't have a good relationship with Christ, a poor quality of life is going to be a side effect. <laughs> and, 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 and he's, I want to constantly fight with people. <laughs> I'm relying on, I don't want to fight with people I'm relying on to bring my project to a reality. Listen, we just need to do what God says. Now, some of you could probably tell me more about this than I know from personal experience, but I do understand that, that uh, oftentimes there is friction between an architect and a builder. And one of the big reasons why is a lot of times a builder doesn't think an architect knows what in the world they're doing. Because the builder's out here the one that's actually doing it. And so and here's the architect, and as far as they're concerned, um, this architect doesn't uh, know what it means to build something. And he puts these crazy plans out here. So there's often friction. Let me tell you something. I talk about this a lot. But whether we want to admit it or not, sometimes our attitudes show that we don't think that the architect knows what he's doing. Because we fuss with him and fight with him. And we say, no, well, that's not for me. I can't build that in my life. You know, we, we, we surrender to building with lesser materials and, and, and building a, a, an inferior pro, um, product versus what God wants us to build because we don't, a lot of times we're not careful, we don't think the builder uh, or the architect knows what he's doing. Now, I did read this about architects and the builder relationship that it's a, it's a huge benefit if the architect has construction background. If the, if the builders know that this architect has built things before. Well, you, know what, well, you want to know what? God became man and walked this earth. Amen? Now, and the Bible says he was tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So uh, our architect, folks, you better believe, knows exactly what he's doing when he's designing us, when he's calling us. Um, now, uh, builders, uh, like sometimes, uh, builders will do things the way they've always done them. That's another thing I read about. The things that architects run into, they're trying to, they're trying to build something unique. They're trying to build something special. But the builders are just saying, well, we've always done it this way, you know. And so we're just going to keep doing it this way over and over again. Yeah, but how's that working out? He said, no, no, go back to the plans. Get into the Word of God. What does the Bible say about this? And maybe if the Bible doesn't say something expressly, you know, doesn't spell it out in black and white, but there's print. The Bible, folks, it is uh, black and white, but man, there's principles in the Word of God. There's things that we learn in the Word of God that can really answer the questions that we have in the 21st century. Even though, you know, you don't find TV, computer, and things like that, you don't find those words in the, those words in the Bible, but we can have principles that can help us manage uh, in the day and age in which we live. So God has given us a master plan. But, man, I'm telling you, if, uh, and here's what can often happens. A builder begins to ignore the instructions of the architect. They get away from the blueprints. They get away from all of that stuff, and they start doing their own thing. And if it gets too bad, the architect may have to come in and say, this has to be reworked now. This has to be redone. This is not the way this was designed. And, of course, that's got to be a big frustration for both the people involved. 
Um, so uh, anybody think of anything else to, to where, uh, and again, don't pick on me too much because I don't know a whole lot about architecture or building, uh, but is there anything else that you can add to maybe help me out in this illustration, um, either clarify at all? Any, any thoughts? Deidre? Yeah, just like Legos, right? Um, and then I'm going to the Lego movie and thinking, yeah, but, you know... Uh, but that's right. I mean, if, if you want it to come out the way you want it to come out, there's a certain pattern to follow. God has that for us. Any other thoughts? All right. I must have covered it really well. Uh, all right. So now think about this. What are some ways that we can be built up? What are some ways that we can be built up? I'll give you a few, and, you, and I'll give you a, an opportunity to add some as well. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, I've already said this. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So obviously, God, we're, we're supposed to build on this foundation, but we're supposed to be building... Uh, I mean, but it's God who gives us the power to build. You know, I gave, I gave the verse Sunday about, but as many as received him, them gave he power to become the sons of God. He's the one who enables us. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says this, But the grace, I'm sorry, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. And, I, and, and, and I, I gave you that verse because the word, that, the word settle you, settle, is the same exact word for build. It's the same word that we're looking at there in Colossians. Settle. God's going to build you. But how's He going to do it? So here's some of the things. Now, every one of us are unique, aren't we? Every one of us are made different. Uh, we live in a very standardized world. We definitely live in a very standardized nation. You know, there's standardized testing, and there's standardized this, and there's standardized that. Uh, and I'm, I want to say more about that in the days to come. But, uh, you know, the people that put together the standardized testing were smart in a certain way. I'll just say that. They had a different type of intelligence. But isn't it something, I'm not going to get into it now, but I'm telling you what, there's people that may not be as intellectually bright as the people that put together the standardized test, but they could outpaint, draw, photograph these people any day of the week. But they treat this like it's not smart because you can't pass this test over here. I mean, uh, and I, under, I understand the purpose behind standardized testing, but one of the uh, one of the negatives behind standardized testing, there's people that think they're dumb or stupid because there's certain things they're not as gifted at as other people are, and therefore they're, they're not dumb. They're just smart in a different way, and in a different area, in a different arena. I'm just trying to say that God's made us all different. We're all unique. Okay, now, think about this for a moment. I, and, and again, I'm, just, I'm almost spitballing here a little bit. Because I'm thinking about, the Bible says, after you've suffered a while, after you've gone through some tough times, God's going to help use that to build you. Now, you ever ask yourself, why do I have to go through what I have to go through and somebody else don't have to go through what I'm having to go through? I think it's, I mean, we're, we're, a lot of us are reading the Psalms right now. The psalmist asks it all the time. It's one of the, the oldest questions ever. Why me? Why, why am I having to go? Why, why are people that are like cussing God doing better than me right now? 
And there's, I'm not going to address all that right now, but I'll say this, let's bring it just into the church now. I, somebody says, well, I don't understand why I have to go through what I'm going through, and these people over here, they haven't had to go through that. You know why? Because God's building, building a different building over here than He's building with you. Because our lives are different. He wants us to be unique. Now, understand this. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and I want to be really, really careful with what I'm trying to tell you right now. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, but we know that all things work together for good. Are all things good? Does that, does that verse say that all things are good? It does not say all things are good. But all things, we know that all things work together for good to them who are called, to them who are... Um, to those that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Here's the point that I'm just simply trying to make. All things are not good. All things that happen to you, listen to me very carefully, are not of God. Abuse has never, will never be a part of something God has approved, for instance. Never. Um, other th that, that we've gone through things in our lives that God's not the one stamping that and saying, yeah, that's great. That's not God doing that. We, we encounter these things because guess what? We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a sin-cursed world. We live in a world that is not the way God made it to be. This is not it. It's a beautiful world. It's a great world but in, in many ways, in many respects. But I'm telling you, this is not the girl, world God created. He created man and woman in the garden without sin. And He's going to bring it back to that again. But currently, we live in a fallen state. And, and, and among those things in the fallen state, number one is we're all born sinners. Number two, everybody has an opportunity to make a decision. So therefore, if somebody decides, and, and, and decisions have consequences, decisions affect other people. So there's been people that have made decisions that haven't been right. There's people who have decided, for instance, to abuse someone else. That's not of God. God just gave people free will. And I'm just simply trying to say this. We go through a lot of bad things in our life, things that stink, things that never should happen to anybody. You know, and we could go from the, to the most extreme to just something small, you know. Uh, but these things happen. They happen in this life. We can get bitter about these things. But if we think about it for a moment, some of these things could have destroyed us. Some of these things could have ruined us for life. But instead, here we are today. Why? Because God can take those, those terrible experiences to where the devil and sin is trying to destroy us. God can bring His grace in and He can transform it and He can take that mess and all of a sudden make a miracle out of it. And now he can use those terrible experiences to say, yeah, this is where I was. This is what I was going through. But let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And, and, and instead of those things destroying us, now they become things who actually help us to be who we are today. And, 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 and the building that we've become. And the unique person that we've become and they've helped build us into a person that can be a blessing because guess what we are still living in a sin cursed world and we're still living in a world of broken and abused people and if we have gone through that now a part of our purpose of our building is now to be able to help that person that maybe has gone through the same thing or is going through the same thing we're going through right now they, 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 they understand the trauma of 
divorce. They understand the trauma of abuse. They understand whatever these things are. And God has been able to turn these... God, I'm not saying that God said, oh yeah, I want this to happen. It's a sin-cursed world, these things happen. But when they do, God's able to transform it and use it to help us be who we have become. Because here's the thing about it. The way that, that you and I were raised depending but for many of us many, there's many of us that were not raised the way god instructed us to be raised all right i'll just put it that way now god knew that i was not going to be raised the way he had instructed my parents perhaps to raise me and they did a great great job i really believe they did um you know many many that their ignorance and the fact that they were unsaved notwithstanding but in general um but they didn't know Christ, and so therefore their, their chief purpose wasn't to glorify God and to, to raise me for Jesus or anything like that. So I was not raised, you know, in, but so God knew that. And so when He was designing my purpose, when He was designing your purpose before you were ever born, He took all those things into account. And He's like, unfortunately, they are going to go through some of those things because of this sin-cursed world, but... Man means, it, man means it for evil, Satan means it for evil, but God means it for good, like he did there with Joseph. So God's able to turn these things around. So I'm just thinking about the way God works, the way God builds us. He uses our experiences is the simple point that I'm trying to make. Uh, any, any thoughts or clarifications on that? Because I, I know that gets to be in a controversial area there. Man, I'm killing it tonight. Or either I'm just boring you to death and you just hurry up. All right, uh, but I want to share with you a couple other ways for us to be built up, to be edified. Uh, the Bible says uh, that God builds us up, but the Bible also says that we are to build each other up. Romans 14, verse 19, the Bible says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. And now more than anything, as you'll see, I'm not going to share them all with you, I'm just going to share a couple, a few. But there's a lot of verses in the Bible that say we need to build each other up. You know one of the things that tells us about? It tells us something about church, doesn't it? I mean, it tells us the importance of church because that's where we build each other up, generally speaking. Now, that shouldn't be the only place we build each other up when we gather together for church because we are church technically uh, when we leave, but we ought to build each other up on a regular basis. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also as ye do. So edify one another. Comfort yourselves, edify one another. Build each other up. What are some ways that we can edify one another? Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Ronnie. You know, I'm starting to figure it out. Ralph and Dory aren't here tonight, amen? I'm not getting my, my, my usuals I can count on for feedback. Uh, but that's right, man, compliment somebody. And we're not talking about flattery here or anything, but just point out something good about something. That's, that's a good one. What's another way we can, we can edify? Yeah, that's right. And, and really, it's kind of another, it's kind of a, a synonym, you know, of, of edify is encouraging people. Uh, you know, and uh, but let me ask you this. What is the opposite of edify? To tear down. We don't need to be tearing people down. Hey, we don't need to be tearing people down per prayer request. You ever seen that before? Y'all pray for Chad. What's going on? Well, he's really been a jerk here lately and blah, blah, blah. And he's uh, this and that. And he said this to me. So y'all pray for him. 
right? You ever heard stuff like that before? Uh, but but, but we, don't need to, we don't need to tear people down. Man, I'm telling you, the world has stolen this, and I know it sounds cheesy, but you find it time and time again. You, you go over, you, you, you look through with Paul, you look with Jesus when he's uh, addressing the churches there and the pastors in, in Revelation. What does Jesus do before he brings down whatever corrections or condemnation he has for the churches there in, in Revelation? He, ed- he edifies them. He says, you know what, I need to tell you something good. And I remember uh, I was taking a class about being an, ins- an instructor for target archery, and, and they teach you this in all kinds of ways, don't they? You know, I'm sure you teachers learn the same thing. Okay, before you correct, give a compliment. You know, find something, you know. So uh, for me, it would be, you know, somebody would be here, and, that, and I'd say, hey, and, but they would have something weird, you know, with their stance or with the way they're doing. And I'd say, you know what? I love the way your, your feet are. You've, you've got a good stance right now. And you're holding uh, great out here. It's like, but this has got, but now do this. And, and I remember when I first learned that, and I don't know if any of you are like me. Uh, some of you are, bless your hearts. But in, in this sense, I remember learning that and being like, man, that sounds so stinking cheesy. You're doing good. I got, I mean, but that's not what I want to come talk to you about. I want to come talk to you about the fact that you're not doing good. But you're telling me I first need to find something to come and say, some sort of compliment first. I mean, it could be the smallest thing. And, uh, but you, you know, as, uh, the thing that helped me at that, that, even though it sounds cheesy, was the fact that God does it and the Bible does it. And so even if I do think it's cheesy, if God says to do it, I need to do it anyway, right? And if He does, if it's good enough for Him, it's good enough for me. If you go to correct somebody, that's fine. But man, we need to first fi- figure out a way to, to, give so- to thank- be thankful for somebody. Okay, edify. Any other ways to edify people? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, uh, I-, I think that's a great, great point. I mean, coming in on a Wednesday night, you know, and just seeing people. I mean, it's just like, hey, or even just, what, what do you got, Ryan? Yeah. It'll lift your spirit. Amen. And although they might not say anything to you, it's just like, man, it's good to be with this family. Yeah. Be here to be with this family. And you just feel edified by being here. Amen. Even though you weren't directly complimented with someone. Right, right. Uh, and, and I'll say this, I get to experience this, you know, more than many of you would. Uh, but man, it, it blesses my heart. You don't know the times I come up to church just at a random time on a random day, and there's just somebody up here doing something. Uh, and that always, that edifies me to, to go to Melanie's point. Um, that always blesses my heart. Uh, all right, I'll give you a couple more verses. Uh, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians, I don't think I read this one, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, Even so, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 12. 2 Corinthians 12, 19. Again, thank ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. Paul says, man, everything I'm doing, I'm thinking, how's this going to build somebody up? How's this going to build somebody up? Uh, he says, I do everything for edifying. And then Ephesians 4.29, how about this one? Hey, this is a good one. To, this is a good one. 
Uh, have you, are you ever anybody around anybody that has corrupt communications? Somebody define young people. What do you think of corrupt communication? What's a good example of corrupt communication? I'm glad that Ron put himself in the young people. Because he is, man. Uh, that's right. Any of you got anything to add to that? Blake will help me, maybe. Yeah, that's right. Anybody? Okay. Uh, but that's right. I mean, I think Ron about covered it. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a corrupt communication. Any, anybody else uh, chime in on that? Any of you other youngsters? Yeah, gossip. Gossip is definitely corrupt communication. Uh, I got to say this. I don't have to say it every time I hear something about gossip. But how many people does it take to gossip? It always takes two. Oh, she's such a gossip. You should have heard what she told me. Um, you know, uh, I imagine Eric has to haul some trash off every once in a while off the property there, I imagine. And, uh, but I tell you, I mean, it, it's, I always appreciate when he decides to haul his trailer up to my house and just dump it in my front yard. He does never do that, by the way. You know why he don't do it? Because of my house is a dump. He takes his garbage to the dump, right? Or to the, the holes that somebody dug out in the country or whatever it is. Folks, that's where you take your gossip to. So you just let that sink in a minute. All right. Uh, but gossip, I believe, is... Uh, and, and by the way, who likes gossip? I mean, in our flesh, I think many of us can like it. Uh, I mean, you know, these juicy details, man, especially if it's something bad about somebody. I mean, uh, there's something about human nature that can like that stuff. Uh, but, uh, boy, it got quiet on that one. Hey, y'all ain't gospers, are you? Uh, so, let, but let no cor corrupt communication come out of your mouth. But here's the question. Here's the thing he says, though. Let no co corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Is what you're saying building up somebody else? Is it being an encouragement to somebody else? Let, listen, uh, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so we need to be very intentional in that. Uh, and another place that we can build, build up is ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So Paul right there, you know, saying, I could do about anything, but I've got to stop and ask myself, is this helping anybody? Has this been a benefit to anybody? And if you notice, there seems to be a lot of other people involved in this. Edifying others, lifting up others, uh, building up. But I, t I will tell you one thing, especially from a personal point of view, before we can build, we may have to clear it out, Right? There may be some things in our lives we need to get out of the way so that we can effectively build for the glory and honor. Some rubbish and some rubble and some things that, that we need to try to get cleared out. In other words, if there's some unconfessed sin in our lives, if, there is, if there's some weights that we are holding on to, things that aren't necessarily sin in of themselves, but they are being a hindrance. They're lawful, but they're not expedient. They're, they're not helping us to be edifying. They're not drawing us closer to God. Maybe those are some things that we need to try to clear out tonight so that we can have room to build. Amen? All right. Uh, well, that's about all I got. Is there any other uh, closing questions, comments? Chad?